You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are exactly what the world needs and God has brought you here for his divine purpose. This is not the time to wring your hands in despair. This is not the time to get drowned by the voices and turbulence of the outside world. This is not the time to get worried about what you could have done and what you couldn't do in the past years. Rise into your decade of relevance. Step into your season of prominence. A new decade has just begun. This is Purpose 2020. And now, prepare your hearts as we welcome God's servant this morning. We continue our journey and we bring the bus to a stop this morning on spiritual blessings. And I pray that today something will shift. I pray that today, my prayer since yesterday has been that this morning, this place will become the trading floors of heaven. That some transactions, some exchanges will happen this morning. And I want everybody to tune in, whether you're watching us from home or you are here with us. Can you change the timer? You are here with us. I encourage you to tune in and be a part of this morning's service. Um, before we go in, can we take our Bibles and make our declaration of faith, as is the custom of this house. Say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. The word of God. I will go where it says I can go. I will become what it says I can become. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Now slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Oh, say it proudly. I am a believer. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. It has been a journey of breakthroughs in this month of September. September, you have shown yourself to us as the Baal Perazim the God of the breakthrough. In this month of September, you have given us wisdom. You have shown us what praise can do and accomplish. And this morning, you are going to teach us how to turn our fortunes around and be the careers of the blessings of Abraham. We pray that this morning, your presence will be here. We pray that the heavens will be opened, that the exchanges will happen destinies will be transformed lives will be changed forever that your word will come in and be the blessing that we have prayed for in the entire month of september we call it done in jesus name amen, amen. and we are closing the chapter on spiritual blessings with the hand of god the zebulon anointing the hand of God, the Zebulon anointing. In the first part, we explored blessings and what it means when we say the blessings of Abraham. When you say God bless you, what it truly means, that uncommon favor for supernatural exploits and breakthroughs. In the second week, we looked at Judah, praise, 
the place of praise in our walk and in the breakthroughs that we are praying for. Last week, we touched on wisdom, the sons of Issachar, understanding of the times and how we can apply this understanding to our well-being and also for us to walk into the success and the wealth and the authority and power that God has given us. The tribes were three that would lead Israel into the promised land. It was the tribe of Judah, it was the tribe of Issachar, and the tribe of Zebulun. And God in his wisdom has shown us that praise alone is not enough. Knowing the mind of God alone is not enough. You need also the financial backing, the economic power to ensure that the assignment that he has given us to take the gospel to the ends of the world become a reality. We have learned that the blessings of the Lord manifest in our lives as prosperity, as health, as peace of mind. Do not be deceived when you are told that it is the, the, the right and the heritage of the child of God to walk in distress and poverty. It is not from God. We serve a God who loves us, who cares for us, who wants our well-being. We serve a God who had made provision even before we cried out unto him, Abba Father. He had already made the storehouses ready. It is up to us to position ourselves and walk in the blessings. When we do, the world will look at us and they will glorify our God and they will give praise unto him. Today we explore a very important part of our work in this life. When you are born again, you can easily make it to heaven. God can call you home and you don't need the anointing of Zebulon in your life. But if you are going to walk this earth, and you are going to overcome, and you are going to be the head and not the tail, then Proverbs 22, 8 should apply to you. He says that the borrower is a servant to the lender. So as long as you want to be the head and to lead as God has called us to, to have dominion on the earth, then of course we must walk in financial prosperity all the days of our lives. You see, I'm going to lay some foundations as I usually do. I build on the foundation. So I would lay the foundation and I will put the superstructure and then we'll do the encomiums of finishing and praying. But, but I want you to, when you don't get the foundation, then the superstructure becomes difficult to grasp. So I want you to come along with me as we lay the foundation for this morning. First, let me take my scriptures. As we usually do, I'll go through all the scriptures and then we don't come back to the scriptures, but I will make references as we go along. The first scripture I want you to turn to is Genesis 31, 6 to 13. Genesis 31. And I'm reading from verse 6 to the 13th verse. Quite a number of scriptures, but please bear with me because they are all fundamental to what we are going to do this morning. Okay, so from verse 6. And you know that with all my might, I have served you. And this is Jacob referring to Laban. You know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. And he said thus, The speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he had said thus, the street shall be your wages. Then all the flocks bore street. 
So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived, and I want you to know this very well, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, they were speckled, and they were gray-spotted. And this was him in a dream. And the dream will manifest. So even if it was a plain ram that was crossing the other ram, as soon as he saw in a dream that the, the ram that was crossing was speckled or streaked or, or great, then when they gave birth, even though there were two rams that were not speckled or freckled, the kids will be speckled and freckled. We are talking about spiritual things this morning. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. If you go home, you can take your time and read the entire account from Genesis 30, 31, 32. It will give you better context. We have limited time. I'm unable to do that. Now turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 33. And we are looking at the blessing that Moses re-echoed for Zebulon. If you go to Genesis 49, you see the original blessing from, from Jacob to his son Zebulon. But in in, in Deuteronomy 33, we see Moses also blessing the sons and the tribes of Israel. And this is the blessing that he re-echoed for Zebulon. Deuteronomy 33, and I'm reading from verses 18 to 19. And of Zebulon he said, Rejoice, Zebulon, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents, and both of you. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. This is Issachar and Zebulun. They shall call the peoples, the rest of the tribes, to the mountain, the place of worship. There they shall offer sacrifices. They will give of righteousness. For they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hidden in the sand. So as they climb that mountain to worship, as they give of their substance unto the Lord, then it opens the floodgates for them to enjoy the abundance of the seas and the treasures of the land. Now let's go to the book of Psalm 1. All of us can recite it by heart. But today that will be the focal point of my sermon, even though we are talking about Zebulun. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper now let's go to matthew 6 4 that's the penultimate scripture and then we'll do the last one and finish matthew 6 24 
No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So God and mammon are same. They are both gods. There's God, the God that we serve, the Adonai. And there's the God that we call mammon. The mammon is the Hebrew word for money. So you cannot serve God and you cannot serve, you cannot serve Adonai and you cannot serve the God called Mammon. Finally, let's do 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. I'm too excited. We are going to talk about money. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Amen. Today we are talking about money. We are talking about wealth. Before I even go into it, I want to ask you to adjust your minds. We have been trying to do that all through the month. Some people are still struggling to understand that they can be wealthy. They have been so used to poverty. They have been so imbibed and ingrained with the understanding that as a child of God, it's okay not to be prosperous. It's part of our work. It's our cross. And I've tried to disabuse your minds of this position. It is not biblical. It is not scriptural. I want to reiterate that this morning. And even add on that there is a sense of well-being or wealth. That is at the level of your regular provision. Where Jesus says that why do you worry about what you will wear, what you will drink, where you will sleep, where you eat. It's basic sustenance. Where you eat a small house, uh, where you will sleep, a cute uh, car that you will drive. I mean, don't worry. As a child of God, it is your right. I'm a father who loves you. So I will make provision for that. You don't even have to lose sleep over that. What you will eat, what you will wear, where you will sleep, God will provide. He even provides for the birds of the air and, and for the flowers in the fields. So that is, a, that is a realm where you just ask. There's another realm of wealth that you seek and you knock. Jesus said you cannot enter into the house of a strong man unless you are stronger than that strong man. And you can bind that strong man and enter his home. There's a certain level of wealth that it takes a certain understanding and revelation to walk in. And as a church, and as people that are here for the Zebulon anointing, I want your mind to shift from daily sustenance and the little that I need to take care of my family and all of that. Because last week I said to you that your wealth and your well-being and the prosperity that we are trusting God for, it is not about you. It is not about what you will wear, what, where you will sleep, how much you will eat. It is not about that. It is about the fact that some destinies are tied to our destinies. It is about the fact that God is calling us to redeem 
seen a lost world and it takes provision, it takes well-being, it takes health, it takes prosperity to accomplish that agenda. So if you are here this morning, then we are talking about the kind of wealth where you walk into a place and they say, we need $2 million to build a church and you just take out your checkbook and you write $2 million and you, we are talking about the kind of world that is cross-generational. By the time your children are born, you have an inheritance that already makes them millionaires. Some of us, our children are born and they carry debts even before they come into the world. Error! We have to be in a place where we build wealth for generations and generations. You are building a legacy of grace and wealth. And that is why we are here this morning. If you are not of that same mindset, this is the perfect time to take your bag and go home, have a little food and sleep because it is not what you want. And we cannot force you to want something that you don't want. But if you are like me and Cookie and some faces that are looking at me, then we are, and somebody who just stood up, then you want to walk in that realm of wealth where you decide the destinies of nations. We are in this country where monies that are being brought into this nation are tied to lesbianism and gayism. And they will tell you that if you want my money, you have to be able to do what I am telling you. But if we are children of God that have prospered, then we can say to them, take your money because we can feed the nations. We are lenders to nations. We are building up multinational businesses. We are building up destinies because God is providing us with that wealth. That is the first shift I want you to have. Because once we get into the phase where we are going into the anointing and the implementation, it is too late. And you see, I am warning you because God hates wastage. So if you cry out to him for something, you cannot waste his time. You must desire it. You must walk in it. You must be it. Because when we call on him, his ears are attentive to the cry of the righteous. And so, and his ears are here to hear us cry. Then when you finish, you go and sleep and say, I want small house, I want small car, I want small food. That is not why. So if you are not then please, when we get to the time where we are shifting into spiritual realm and breaking some protocols and changing things on the trading floors of heaven, you can excuse us because you are not ready to walk in that kind of blessing. The second foundation I want to lay, that we have believed errors, so many errors in our lives. Nobody gets wealthy, the kind of wealth I just spoke about. By working hard. Error. Otherwise, the people digging trenches by the roadside, they will be the wealthiest. So, the people who wake up at 4 a.m. and go to work and come back at 9 p.m., those who work in their banks, they slave away all their lives. Sometimes, if they don't take a loan, they can't build a house. We, it is not about hard work. It is not about, I'm not saying hard work is bad. Don't get me wrong. Hard work will not make you wealthy. But hard work can be a tool that you use in the, in the quest for taking or taking over what God has already ordained in the realms of the spirit. That's what I'm saying. Education does not make you wealthy. 
I have seen people who have never been to a classroom. In fact, when they take the newspaper, they turn it upside down. They can't read a thing. I have seen them build multinational businesses and employ people with PhDs to work for them. It's not about education. Education will enhance. It will give you opportunity. But unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Take it from me. If you can't talk to anybody who has broken that barrier of wealth, if it is not coming from the side of the devil, and it is God-ordained, they will tell you that there was a point in their lives where something shifted. There was that one opportunity that changed their many, many years of labor. I read to you the story of Jacob. He had slaved away for almost 20 years, and he had nothing to his name. I don't know how many of us have slept for businesses, worked all our lives, and by the time you are or leaving that company, your welfare cannot even buy a bicycle. If, I, if you are not careful, you even owe them. Because you've taken loan for school, you've taken loan for this, you've taken loan for that. Listen, Jacob had slaved away. He had the promise of God on his life. He was next in line as a patriarch, but he had labored and what day he had sweated. If you read the account further, when Laban encountered him when he was being chased, he will recount to you what he had been through. He says that in the desert, I will be there. When it's raining, I'm in the rain. When the sun is burning, it's on my skin. And for almost 20 years, I had nothing to show for it. Until the God of the covenant showed up. Until the God of Bethel, where he had erected an altar unto the Lord, showed up. And God said, you know, you've been struggling all your life. You want to make it and go back to your, your fatherland. But you cannot do it until I shift something in the heavens. So he went into an agreement with Laban. In Jacob's mind, he, I'm sure he was going to be a trickster and try and get the lambs to mate so that he would get the speckled and the freckled because the agreement was that all the unspotted lambs would be for Laban and all the spot, spotted ones would be for Jacob. But you know what Laban had done? He had removed all the spotted ones and left only the unspotted. Jacob felt he was a trickster. But he had met his meter. He removed, so how are you going to get two lambs that are all not spotted, mate, and come up with lambs that are spotted and freckled? I'm sure when Laban was walking away from that agreement, he was smiling in his head, stupid boy, you want to come and do a deal with me? I will show you that when Yamache. So he had taken all the, and left the man with no way out of his poverty. Some of us are in families, in homes, in situations where when you look at it logically, when you look at the foundation of your home, when you look at your educational background, when you look at where you are right now, to the human eye and understanding, there absolutely is no way out of that poverty that you are in. But David, Jacob had a dream. And in the night, the God of Bethel showed up. And in the dream, he would see two rams mating. 
And, and even though in the realms of the physical, it was an unspotted ram that was mating with the unspotted ram, it will be a spotted, freckled ram mating with an unspotted one. And so by the time they would take seed and have uh, kids, all the lambs would be spotted. Ah, Laban came and was confused. How is it that you are, they are bearing spotted and freckled? When I have, you, you don't have any spotted and freckled. Beloved, we are working on spiritual realms. In the realms of the spirit where we are going to tackle this morning, God can manipulate and change things in your favor. That you may just be working, but God will put you into a firm where you become a partner. You may just be going about your duty, but God will bring a destiny helper that cannot sleep until they have offered you some help. We are going to touch the God of heaven and say, Lord, if I look at my situation, if I look at my circumstances, there is no way out. What we are talking about is just a dream, something that cannot be realized. But we are talking about the God of impossibility. We are talking about the God who calls things that are not as though they are. We are talking about the God that can change us and take us out of our circumstances and place us where he has ordained for us. I don't know about you, but I am ready to call on the God of Abraham and the God of Bethel and say that, Lord, change some things in the realms of the spirit on my account. Because until that is done, nothing will happen. I see nowhere in the Bible that we are told that God said, oh, my child, you, if you want to prosper, work hard. Nowhere. He will call Abraham and say, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. All I am asking for is your obedience. He will talk to somebody and say, oh, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. But, but it's like a tree planted by the rivers of water who meditates on my word day and night. And then because of that, all that he does will prosper. You can go to Deuteronomy 28 and read. He's talking about the blessings, the blessings of your baskets, of your, your barns, of your, your animals, the rains that are falling. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it says, I'll make you head and not the tail. You will be a lender to nations. But the caveat is that if only you will obey me and live by my words. Joshua will tell the people of Israel in Joshua 1, the book of the law shall never depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. And as you do, your way will be prosperous and you will find good success. Who told you that wealth is gotten because you work hard or because you know never? And so if we try to be like the wealth, who have things that are creating the wealth for them. And that's my next point I'm going to talk about. If we say we are for Christ, if we say God is our father, if we say we are not looking to the ways of the world, then we must use the methods as prescribed by God for our lives. If you try to be like the world and work all day and night, working on business plans, trying to make your way, pay bribe here and there, you will fail. The only way we know is here. The only way we know is invoking the heavens. The only way we know is, is coming into covenants with the God of our salvation. 
That is the only way that we know. And that is why Jesus said to the crooked sons in the Gospels that the sons of darkness are smarter than the sons of light. Why? Because the sons of darkness know where to go to when they want to unleash the spiritual realms into their life. But the sons of light have power. They have authority. They have the word. And yet, we are trying to be like the sons of the world. It doesn't work. The third thing I want you to note Money is a God. And there are only two realms of power in this world. It's either God or Satan. By extension, money is the devil. Money, the realm of money, if you read Luke, I think it's chapter 3, during the temptation, the devil would take Jesus, Jesus, the son of God, son of David, the, the Redeemer, the Messiah, he would take Jesus, not you, or Jesus, to the top of a mountain. And, 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 and the devil knows God knows all things. So I'm not sure he was lying. He's the father of lies. But at that point, he wasn't lying. He took Jesus to the top of the mountain and said, Everything he showed him the kingdoms of the world, he showed him the businesses, he showed him the gold, he showed him everything in the earth and said to him, I own all these things. They have been handed over to me in the Garden of Eden. When Adam ceded his authority, he gave me ownership of the wealth on the earth. So I own it right now. Okay, even though I'm secondary or secondary owner. I own it because Adam gave it to me. If you want to experience the wealth, if you want to enjoy the kingdoms of the world, bow to me, submit to me, become my slave, and I will give you the wealth. Simple. And I want you to understand, sometimes you ask yourself questions. When you come to understand the word, you don't ask some questions. So, like, I think it was one of the psalmists or one of the prophets that was crying and said, why are, why are the people in the world blessed? Why, why do I see people who don't go to church, who don't trust God, who never, who are even atheists, and they are prospering, and they have money? Why, why is it that God is blessing them? Listen to me this morning. That blessing is not from God. They are serving mammon, and mammon owns the wealth in this land. So, as long as you are in his camp, he has no problem releasing the wealth to you. So if you are here and you think you are a struggle person, or call the other side. Feel free. If it's only money you want. But the warning is this. You will become a slave to the devil. He is a God who doesn't forgive easily. He is a God who can make you so miserable. He will release the world. If money is not a God, then tell me why we... Tell me why people are willing to give their souls for money. Have you seen some people that are okay? They are doing well. They are lovely people. They, and all of a sudden, they get money. The story changes. And sometimes we just put it to, oh, Tana not here, Dada. The money is only magnified false. The money will make you arrogant. The money will make you think that you are invincible. The money will until something hits you that money cannot buy. 
then you begin to rethink your philosophy. The money that comes from the devil will make you a slave. There's no peace. That is why the Bible says that it is only God that gives the power to make wealth and adds no sorrow. Because when you take it from the other side, and believe me when I say that if you want to be wealthy today, I can show you where you can go in Benin. And by next week, you'll be a millionaire. Oh yeah, I know where it is. <laughs> Seriously. I can, I can show you. I, oh, I can even show you people that can show you things to do. Is it, ah, you can, you can. If you, want, if you want government contracts and you are willing to pay bribe, ah, you will get. I mean, it's, it's very easy. But that is one side of wealth that will make you a slave. Jesus said you, there are two masters, God and mammon. You cannot choose to serve God and serve mammon at the same time. But the beautiful thing is this. Satan may have secondary ownership, but the bona fide owner of the wealth is God. And as his children, the promise to us is that we have entitlement to this wealth. But as long as you remain a child, as long as you remain immature, as long as God cannot trust that when he releases this mammon, this strong man into your life, it is not going to have mastery over your life, then you will continue to walk in poverty. I pray that you will understand me this morning. God knows our hearts. He knows our levels. He knows what we can take in the realms of trials and temptations. He knows that sometimes people come to church and they are praying for jobs. They are praying for jobs. They are praying for jobs. And God releases only a small blessing in a small job. And all of a sudden, church is not important. So you are crying to be a millionaire. You are crying for financial breakthrough. You are crying for wealth. Are you ready? that kind of, can you have mastery? Do you have the muscle to go into the room of the strong man and bind the strong man called mammon and take control of mammon and not allow mammon to rule over you, but that you subject mammon to the authority of Christ. So God is saying that the only way I release that wealth to you is when you have understanding that that wealth is not for you. It's for my assignment. It's for my agenda. So you have 2,000 in your bank account and you cannot even give God 20 Ghana cities. And you are asking God to give you a billion. Some of us, we are like little children that are giving toffees. Right now, I give you a toffee. Then and then, I say, give me small. <laughs> no. <laughs> we need to shift our minds to understand that the wealth that God is giving, you are just a custodian of that wealth. It doesn't belong to you. So if you are not somebody who has that orientation and all you are thinking about is well so that I can have breakfast in Paris and lunch in Switzerland and dinner in, 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 in Egypt and then, then come back in my private jet and the world will see that I'm also enjoying the world. Error. You will pray and pray and pray and pray. Who shared? I think somebody shared with us the, the person that I think Danny shared on the, the by the well. 
this man who follows young Cho. And, and, and that man just follows him because he has wealth for kingdom. So he just follows young Cho anywhere they go. And, and he says that, I, oh, I need a million to pay for a, 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 a whatever, a crusade. Oh, okay. That's, that's his only role. He would just check a check and write. And, and he came into that kind of wealth because he went into a covenant with God and said, whatever you give me, I am not going to take even 90%. I will take 10% and give you back 90%. So God said, I'll make you a billionaire because your mind is right. What would fear? I want you to shift something this morning. If you are struggling to give of the little that God has blessed you with, you are not ready for the bigger deals and bigger business opportunities. If you cannot make money a slave and it rules over your life, the love of money consumes you. Everything about you is how to multiply the zeros in your account. You are not ready for that kind of world because that God called Mammon, he's very subtle. But when he takes a hold of you, Families have been broken because of money. Friendships have been broken because of money. Relationships have fallen apart because of money. People have died because of money. 50 cents at a song. I, I, I will be rich or get rich or die trying. That is mammon right there. Why do you have to, you have to die trying to get wealthy? God didn't design it that you have to die trying. But when you have a deep understanding that the God that is calling you into a covenant is the God that bona fide owner of the property, then that God is able to release it to you. And as long as your mind is right and you have mastery over this thing called mammon, then you are positioned for that blessing. I hope I'm not scaring somebody. The next thing I need you to know, and I've already said a few things about it. We'll go into the, 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 the superstructure very soon. But your wealth has been preordained. Believe me, you may not see it now, but your wealth is preordained. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says that for our sakes, Christ became poor. Even though he was rich, he became poor. So that when by grace we take on his righteousness, then the wealth and the riches belong to us. So there's always an exchange in our faith. And I'm sharing this with you because when we read Genesis 49, and Jacob was blessing his sons, the blessing he gave to Zebulon, was that Zebulon will end up with property by the sea. And so he will be a haven for ships. And he will become a merchant. You know the interesting thing and why I believe that it's preordained, the wealth is preordained, is that when it came to sharing the land, when they were about entering the promised land, they didn't refer to the blessings that had been given. No. They cast lots. Go back and read when they were going to share the land. Because they didn't want anybody to say, you have cheated me. You, you, we all want to be by the sea. And you have given me sea, and you have given me hinterland. Or you have given me mountain, or you have given me desert. They threw lots. And when the lots were opened, Zebulon was by the sea. 
preordained. I, I saw a very interesting um, on Facebook sometime. It was circulating some guy who was smoking weed. You see that he's a, he's a serious, and he was actually advising them that weed is not for everybody. You have to be called. And your friend. now no You go mad. But when you have been called, you can smoke and smoke and nothing will happen to you. And you should see this guy that is thinking he's sane. Giving that advice. Wealth is your friend. We have been called into wealth. And, and fortunately for us, we are not even in the time of casting lots. As long as by grace you are connected to Jesus Christ, then Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that because of us, because he wants us to be wealthy, because he wants us to enjoy the riches, he became poor. He took our curse. He took our liabilities. He took our limitations. He took everything, the poverty in our homes, everything that has been prescribed over our lives. He took it and exchanged it and gave us wealth. So if you are listening to me at home here, Beat your chest and say, I am ordained for wealth. Beat your chest and say, I am predestined to be wealthy. It is, I am not now going to try and be wealthy. It's already established in the heavens. Once you have spoken, twice have I heard that my destiny is already cast in the heavens. God says it, I believe it, that settles it. I want you to own that this morning as we go into the scripture and begin. I'll just do the superstructure and we will go into prayer. And the, I wanted to do anointing, the Zebulon anointing, but, but the Holy Spirit told me, instead, come to the Lord's table. Why? He says that anytime you eat of my body and you drink of my blood, do this in remembrance. So this morning, as we go to the Lord's table, you are remembering that he became poor so that you will be rich. That's all. He says, as you go to the Lord's table this morning, just remember that I died. I took your poverty. I took your limitations. I took your family limitations. I took your educational limitations. I took all the mistakes that you have made. I took your inconsistencies. I took your, your shortcomings. I put them all together. I became poor so that you can be rich. And as long as you have this understanding and this revelation in your heart, it's only a matter of time before God takes you into that wealth that we are talking about. Now let's get into the the anointing. I believe, and it's a scriptural, there's a difference between promise and actualization of the promise. He has died and taken your poverty so that you can become rich. It's been ordained before the beginning of time that you will be called, you will be justified, you will be preordained, you will be selected for that greatness. But walking into that greatness, positioning yourself in that greatness, Two different things. 
You can have a prophecy on your life. You can have a promise on your life. You can have an inheritance to your name. But until you begin to walk in that inheritance, until you begin to possess that inheritance, it will only be a promise on your life. So this morning, my agenda is to help you position. If we are all on the same understanding that we are already preordained for wealth. If we all believe that spiritually, we are already destined to be wealthy. We already have the promise and the anointing on Zebulon on our lives. Because we are keen into the promises of Abraham. Because we are children of Abraham by faith. That is a given. Now, how do you position yourself to activate that generational wealth in your life? I'm sure by now you know I'm not going to say work hard or uh, work smart or any of such. I will take you to the Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is where everything, and I am going to talk about seven things that you need to do to position yourself. Psalm 1. I'll try and connect it with the tribe of Zebulun because they had walked in this kind of revelation and God had made them wealthy. They were the bank rulers of the tribes of Israel. They were merchants. They were enjoying the benefits of the sea, the gold in the land. Their land was very fertile and they were enjoying the blessings of God. But it wasn't because they had just been blessed. It was because they had come to understand the revelation and the sons of Issachar had guided them to a point where they knew that to unlock this promise on our lives, we have to go to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walks in the way or sits in the seat of sinners, or, or walks, sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose, who bears its fruit in its season. His leaves will not wither. And everything that he does will prosper. Number one, blessed is the man. You will have that supernatural ability to overcome every limitation and walk in uncommon favor if you walk in the counsel of the Lord. What is the counsel of the godly? The counsel of the godly is any counsel that aligns with the word of God. The godly is not referring to the person giving the counsel. The godly is referring to the advice being given. So if the advice that you have been given is that you have to go to school and learn hard and work hard and, and make it in life, counsel of the ungodly. If you have been told that unless you get a papano in your life, you are going to struggle as a young woman in this country, counsel of the ungodly. If you have believed that poverty is part of our walk with Christ, that like Job, we have to suffer. And, and, and the more you suffer like Lazarus, then you will make it into Abraham's bosom. But Abraham was wealthy, and he ended up in heaven. Lazarus was poor. He ended up in heaven. I would prefer to be wealthy and end up in heaven. I don't know about you. 
You can make a choice. You can be like Lazarus, who was so poor that he had to be put at the gate of a rich man who would look down on him, throw crumbs for him to eat. How, which part of that gives glory to God? Tell me, which part of that, which part of his whole life being put at the gate of some ungodly man? The man will pass and boot him a little and, and throw a few pieces of bread. And, and, then, and then Lazarus will say, I'm a child of God, born of the spirit. I, I'm, I'm glorifying God. No, I want to be like Abraham. Wealthy to the hilt. But the beautiful thing is that when Lazarus got there, Abraham's bosom was so comfortable. Seriously, mindset. By counsel, I'm talking about mindset. Let your mindset change. Think like a wealthy person. Behave like a wealthy person. Stop going to scramble for food when you go to parties. Poor people do that. Stop talking like a poor man. Now 50 CDs Muji, maybe 50 CDs, 50 CDs. Uh, which church goes to Marriott to go and have breakfast? Which, the Hope Arena members go to Marriott to go and have breakfast. You see, the world just realized that you are what you think. As believers, we are what we think. My mindset has been and will always be that in spite of my current limitations, God is taking me to the top of my ladder. In spite of where I find myself right now, very soon you will have to book appointments to come and see me because I will be so booked all over the world, speaking to all sorts of people that you can't even find me. So now that you have me, pamper me. <laughs> Make use of me because this is not going to be my end though. God is taking me somewhere. And, and for me, every morning when I wake up, like the prayer of Jabez, I cry out that you will bless me indeed, that you will enlarge my territory. The territory that I have right now is not big enough for me. God is taking me to another realm where that territory transverses nations. I am not a Ghanaian citizen. I am a citizen of the globe. I am a citizen of the world. The world is my country. I am telling you, I don't know about you, but I am here. My mind is made up that God is taking me to another level. If you look, Sinaj says that take a look at me. It doesn't matter what you see now. Just see the glory of God in my life. You may not see it, but I see it. I stand in the mirror and I tell myself, Bahima, you are going places, I'm telling you. You are walking in higher realms. Or maybe you are one of those people that will say that, oh, uh, why will I sit in economy, uh, business class, Economy and business class, they will all get there at the same time. Mindset of the poor. It's not the same. Oh. One, you will get up, get down, you are cramped and unhappy. And, uh, first class, by the time you get there, what's in your dream? You know, you are. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the people that tell you that don't pay tithes. It's the counsel of the ungodly. 
The people that will tell you, why are you giving so much money to your church when there are people by the roadside and there are people in the streets and counsel of the ungodly, why don't they go to give to them? I didn't make my money with you. Why do you want to decide for me where I spend my money? So you will sit there and you align with them and instead of paying your tithe, you say, I'll go and give it to orphanage. Different things. Nothing stops you that the 90% that is left after you gave God 10, take some of that and take it to the orphanage. Why has it in a ten kakrana akano? Why? God says, give me only 10. Take 90. Then you are sitting there for some unbeliever drunkard, womanizer, to tell you that the 10 that you are giving back to the church and to God, why don't you take it to the orphanage? If it was godly counsel, wouldn't he, shouldn't he rather be telling you that 99 why don't you take 10 out of it and go and give it to an orphanage? Because they want to rid you of blessings. They want to rid you of a covenant. They want to rid you of the storehouses of heaven being opened for you. And you sit there as a child of God and you imbibe this counsel of the ungodly and you align with them and you want to tell me that you want to be a billionaire? I just walk with Benin. No, if you are taking the advice, then take it in full. You are either light or darkness. You can't be light and take counsel from darkness. The sons of Zebulun aligned with the tribe of Issachar who knew the times, who understood the times, who knew the mind of God. So before the tribe of Zebulon will go out, they will sit with the sons of Issachar and they will say, give us the counsel of God. Give us the counsel of God. You are sitting here as a believer, child of God. Then the, the world will tell you, oh, ni, oh, ni, just have a baby, just have a baby. I mean, it's only the children that matter. Now you are 36. Maybe the marriage will never come. Just say, God will forgive you. Counsel of the ungodly. Counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man. That works not in the council of Zebulon was so fixed on their promise that their decision was that we are not listening to any council but the council of the godly. We are listening to the sons of Issachar because they know the mind of God. Now the Holy Spirit is inside of us. You can be a Zebulon and an Issachar and a Judah all at the same time. You don't need somebody to tell you what to do. But you can go into your closet. You can lock up yourself in your prayer room and seek the counsel of God. And determine that you will walk in that counsel. Some of us know the counsel. But we choose not to walk in the counsel and deceive us that God is forgiven. Grace abounds. So I will walk in my own counsel. And when you go and hit a problem, you come and ask, why me? God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? When you were making the decision, did you ask God? When you said yes to that man, did you ask God? Let me continue before I shift. The second thing in Psalm is that they associated with people that trusted God. They associated with Judah, praise. They associated with people who knew their mind. Your environment is crucial for your positioning. And we have said this in this church over and over 
and over. Who do you have around you? Are they challenging you to be your best selves? What is your environment? Are you associating with people who are going somewhere in their lives? Or you are associating with people who are going nowhere? The choice is yours. Create an environment around you that will move you to walk in divine health. Create an atmosphere where you are determined that I, I am not going to envy this person because God has blessed them. But I am going to go to them and ask them what they did for God to unlock that blessing in their lives. You will just gossip. Where did she get the money from? And I think, oh yeah, drugs. Cocaine. What kind of environment are you creating? Blessed is the man that walks in the counsel of God. He, blessed is he who does not sit with the scornful. Who does not walk with sinners. What environment are you? Because it all adds to building that mindset for wealth. If you are working with people who are mediocre, mediocre, the carpenter, the table is, is crooked, the furniture, why? Why you don't name me You are too known. I mean, why, you are, you are, mediocre. If you walk around with chickens, you become a chicken. If you want to fly, you walk with eagles. Because they are going somewhere. Surround yourself with ideas, with things, with people that will engender your growth. That is what the tribe of Zebulon did. They had their promise. But they also had an environment that stimulated them. In the, in the, 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 the promise, that the, the, the blessing, they were, they had, we are told that there are people that were going and coming. I mean, they, they will band together and they will go and they will seek the fortunes of the world and they will come and be a blessing to their generation. Because of time, let me rush through. Number three. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So the sons of Issachar walked in Revelation. We spoke about that, the sons of Issachar, now the sons of Zebulun. They, they were also with Issachar in the tent. When you read Deuteronomy 33, it was said of them that they would together go to the mountain. They, they would go and they would call their brothers that they should join them on the mountain to pray. They were people who were not just business people, but who also loved God, who also understood that everything that they would accomplish in this life must come from the law of the Lord. Because someone is saying that you must meditate on this law. It is in it that you find that breakthrough for your well-being. Some people, when it's prayer for finances, they show up. When it's evangelism, you don't find them. Blessed is the man who meditates on the law day and night. It positions you for breakthroughs. When you can walk in God's counsel, when, when you can have the law on your heart, when you can obey, when you, you can walk in love, you love God. You are not coming to church because of a breakthrough. You are not coming to church because you need a miracle. You are not coming to church because you are looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend. But you are coming to church because your heart is for God. God sees our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows why we are on our knees praying day and night. He knows that some of us, as soon as the breakthrough lands, 
That is the end of the prayer session. If you want to be blessed, if you want to walk in this divine wealth that we are talking about, let your heart be right. Seek after God. Love God. Determine that I am serving God not because of a personal interest, but I am doing my master's business because that is what he saved me for. Tell yourself that even if he takes everything from you, your heart will still be with him. When you come into that place of relationship and revelation with God, you will begin to see doors open. You, some of us, if we can change our methods, if we can change our motives, if we can open up and love God just for loving's sake, not climb a chair only when we are looking for the fruit of the womb, or you are looking for that job, then you realize I have to go into my secret place because I need a miracle and a testimony. But sometimes you just climb a chair because you want to be alone with the Lord. You want to enjoy intimate moments with him. You, you want to talk to him as a friend talks to a friend. You, you just want to lie in his presence and love on him. Sometimes that is all he needs to open up the wealth that you are praying to him for. Number four. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And two definitions here, so four and five. The name Zebulon means to dwell. And when his mother had him, he said, you'll be called Zebulon, meaning to dwell. Because now, because I have had six sons, you are still hoping my husband will dwell with me. But that is what she believed. So dwell. So you must be like a tree planted by the, the first definition and the first insight the Holy Spirit gave me. No tree just pops up by itself. There's always a seed that is planted. Always. It's the principle and the law of God. You must sow to reap. If you are not sowing, but you want fruits, that is magic. God is not a magician. He's a God of principle. You have the little that you have. So, you are waiting for God to give you the millions and the thousands before you start paying your tithes. You will be waiting till thy kingdom come. Some of us, we are praying for rains. But rain is only a nuisance if you don't have any seed in the ground. So the rains will come, but it will only flood your house because it is not coming to nourish anything. What are you planting? What seeds are you planting? What altars are you lifting? Are you paying your tithes from the little that you are giving? Are you giving unto the Lord? When the church says we need this, step up even with your little. It is the principle. You must be a giver. The sons of Zebulon, when you read Deuteronomy 30, he says, they will call their brothers to the mountains and they will tell their brothers that we must sacrifice unto the Lord of our righteousness. And he says that because of that, you will eat of the, the good of the sea and of the land. Zebulon will say that when I went out, everything that I had, Lord, this is yours. So God will continue to say, the place is quiet, I understand. If you are not a giver, God cannot trust you with wealth. 
It's a simple issue. And I won't belabor the point because we've spoken about it over and over and over here. Learn to be a giver. I mean, when you go to countries like, and I'll use Nigeria, those people, you will be preaching now, somebody will remove his watch. Come and, get, come and drop car keys. Come and, they, they give like with some kind of vim and zeal that when God is blessing them, abundance. But you are holding on to your little storing. I'm saving for a rainy day. When the rain comes, that thing cannot even be an umbrella. Because some of the rains that come, you need proper shelter. So you have thousand, and you are saving for a rainy day. So when they tell you that uh, you have cancer, or you have kidney problem, and every dialysis that you have to do will cost you 750 Ghana cities. Every week you have to go and do one dialysis. Your thousand rainy day saving. What, what will he do? But some of us have sold into our health. We have every time you put money in an envelope and I come and put it on the altar and I say, God, this is my insurance for my health. This is the premium that I am paying for my health. I cannot be sick. My children cannot be sick. My husband cannot be sick because I understand that when I sow and I lift a covenant and an altar, then those problems don't even come. And that is what the sons of Zebulon understood. They will call their brothers and say, come, let us go and sacrifice on the mountain. Plant seeds. From today, plant seeds. We hear the testimonies, so, but we decide that yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't we heard testimonies of people that said, I went to clear my bank account and gave it to some man of God or put it on the altar. And then some doors open and you are sitting there, you are like, Master, <laughs> clear your account. <laughs> Me, I said some. I'm like, unless God has spoken audibly. Audible, I didn't see audible. Bahima, Bahima, clear your account. And <laughs> we are waiting for audible voice. Because, hey, who? <laughs> I tell you, after I've cleared and, and nothing shows up, I said, my young question, but that kind of faith never goes unrewarded. I'm telling you. Some of us need to challenge God. Pastor Ishmael has testimonies right here in this church. Some of us need to challenge God. Some of us need to challenge our faith. Some of us need to give like insane people. Because you want a certain kind of breakthrough. You must be willing to pay that price for that breakthrough. The second plant is that Zebulon, the tribe became a people that were stable. They were planted they were persistent in whatever they were doing. You start something. God is leading you to an open door. It may not happen in week one. It may not happen in week four. But God has ordained it for week 15. Just before you get to week 14, we'll give you up. Let me go and try selling bread now. Then you start. Then you start. Then you start. They're just about when they are going to break through some other bread. You cross a prophet him now we die. Now let me go and do yogurt. Instability. Same thing with people in churches. They cannot even be planted in a church. 
How many churches have you been to since you grew up? Small thing, I'm not happy in this church, then you leave. Small thing, I'm offended in this church, then you leave. A small thing, the pastor is not, then you leave. Unless you are planted by the rivers of water, you don't get roots that go deep enough to sustain that plant that you have lifted. Become planted in your business. Become persistent in your ideas. Don't give up because somebody came to tell you this thing doesn't work. Maybe it didn't work for them, but you have a covenant with God. So even if they are going to feel like Isaac who sold in the land of farming, in the same year he reaped a hundredfold. But people were saying and looking at the wind and saying that it is farming time. It is, it is desert time. It is a dry season. So we are not sowing. But Isaac knew the covenant he had with God. That the covenant will enable him to have abundance even if it is a land of farming. Work with your own vision. Be stable in your mind and in your ideas. Be consistent. Be persistent. Allow God time. Sometimes you are just building roots to be able to harbor what is coming up. But we don't have the patience to wait. We are not stable in anything. You start a school, they feel you just won. Now we're jai. Another program. They feel you just won. Now we're jai. Another program. So you'll be right doing programs like... Be planted. Let's be planted. Number six, it bears fruit in season. We have to bear fruit in season. And that is talking about productivity. Productivity. The sons of Zebulon were not idle people. God didn't create us to be idle. Man was created to create. Let me bring it back. Before you can bear fruit in season, and, and, and the catchphrase is in season, because it can be the season and you will not have fruit, and the season will pass, and maybe three seasons down the line, you have fruit. What will make the, the plant fruit in season is when everything that it needs prior to the, the fruiting period is provided. So there was enough sunlight, there was enough water and rain, there was enough manure, and then in season it will bear fruit. So you can't be misusing your time, misusing opportunities, deciding not to do anything that will make the plant fruit. And then when it's season time, you come and stand by the, the tree and say, Master, our fruits way. As children of God, our time and every time that God has given us has to be productive. Because it is building up to the fruiting season. People don't just get up and be successful unless they do sakawa. But it's a process. The process will mean that maybe today, you don't have fruits yet. But today you have planted a seed. Tomorrow you have watered that seed. The next day after that you have put manure on that seed. It's a process. The next time you have uh, put fertilizer on that seed, you have sprayed that seed, that plant, so that insects are not bothering it. And in due season, 
the fruits will appear. I want to encourage somebody. Maybe you are still in the process. Maybe God is taking you through a certain period of dryness. But in due season, God will show up. This God, he's got times and seasons in his hands. He says that you will bear fruit in season. If only you can do the things that will take you to the fruiting period. If only you can look at the time that you are wasting doing unnecessary things. And saying that all this is accumulating for my season, my fruiting period. So if I get up every morning and I'm thinking and I'm approaching people and I'm talking and I'm working and I'm putting things together. And you are in the house doing concern on Facebook, checking people's statuses and profiles, just sitting and sitting and sitting. And then six months down the line, God takes me into an opportunity and the door opens and I suddenly hit. Then you will sit here and say that God is not fair. Process. Let's be wise as sons of God. Let's not think that because we have a promise on our lives, it's automatic that we will bear fruit. You will sit and the season will pass. People will bear fruit. And you will be counting leaves. Please, when we are counting our fruits, don't be jealous. Oh, because when we are fasting, we are praying, we are giving, we are going on soul winning. We are uh, meeting for business meetings. You are busy eating, sleeping. All these people here, eating, (laughs) sleeping. Just come and play instruments and go home. And then when people are breaking through, then you will stand there and say, "Ah, sorry, Hokra, kind." When they close, they will sit in their car and go and give you a lift. "Ah, sorry, Hokra, why should I give you a lift? Why don't you want your own car? Would I lift her and have a It's just a note of caution. And at the Hope Arena, anything that we do, God has instructed us to do. So you don't get involved. Sit there and, and tell us we are hard doing, we are fasting, do It is all the process of productivity. Every step, listen, no prayer is ever wasted. No time of waiting on the Lord is ever wasted. You may not see manifestation today, but believe me when I tell you that it's the process of building up to the fruiting season and in due season when you don't give up, in due season when you hold on, in due season when you align, God will make a way. And you will begin to bear fruit. In your process of of productivity, learn get knowledge, prepare yourself. Sometimes you may even have to walk to somebody and say, I don't even want a salary. Let me work for free. And as you are working for free, the person looks at you and says, ah, I can't even let you work for free. I have to pay you. Ah, so you can do this and I never knew. Then there's an opportunity here. Oh, you have served so well, but you are there. You won't do anything. You won't volunteer. Oh, time won't find your shape. Oh, time won't volunteer. Eh? So the time they say we say in Kamera kwa ye we di in Kamera day. Onti ame kadi ameda. 
daft. Oh, this thing is too small for me. This opportunity is too small for me. Ah, we cry them. I could clean this office. We cry them. Come back. But I have seen people who have cleaned, and in the process of cleaning, they had met their destiny helpers, and they, by now they own their own cleaning companies, and God is doing amazing things with them. So that, that look at me, and that. Sometimes you need to say it as it is. Believers, we walk in a certain fiction world. Name it, claim it, name it, go and touch somebody's building and it becomes yours. You, Why well, you think the person in that building there, he's not praying. <laughs> we don't want the process. We don't want to put in anything. We don't want to, you won't do the physical. Even the spiritual, we say, come and do it. Let's see if God will have mercy. You, you, they have me cry and say, those who don't even have anything, they are the ones who don't fast. And it ties in with the last thing. Do something. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who bears fruit in season, its leaves will never wither, and all that he doeth will prosper. That is number seven. What are you doing? What receptacles have you created for the world? God can only bless the work of our hands. God can only bless the little that you have in your hands. Whatever your hands find to do, do it. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The sons of Zebulon were people who were going in and coming out. They were going to sea and coming back. They were exploring the nations and coming back. They were busy at work. But you are sitting and you are doing nothing. And then you come to the altar and say, Lord, bless me. Bless what? Bless what? There's zero in your hands. Zero times zero is what? Zero times zero is zero. So before Jesus will, will feed the 5,000, he says, what, what, do you, what do we have? I cannot do a miracle in a vacuum. What do you have? Jesus, oh. Even when he went to the wedding in, in Sonia's hometown, father's hometown, he didn't just say, put the empty barrels there and, and it will be filled with mine. No, fill it with water. And the water then turned into wine. Please, beloved, if you are in this church and you are doing nothing, God have mercy on you. Find something to do, even if it is for free. Ask people, what work do you do? How can I help? Ask anybody. What can I do? What opportunity? If even it means you have to start selling things by the roadside, do it. Whatever your hands find to do, do it. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And believe me and trust me when I say that though your beginnings be small, your latter end will greatly increase. Do not look down on small beginnings. Do not look down on that little job, that little opportunity. Because anything that lies in the hands of God magnifies. Today we have been talking about the hand of God. 
What are you putting in the hands of God? What are you putting in the hands of God for him to turn it around and make it great? What are you doing? The sons of Issachar knew the counsel of the godly. They associated with men of God. They gave of their substance unto the Lord. They planted themselves by the rivers of water. They were stable in what they did. They sowed seeds and they did. And as long as they were doing, they enjoyed the, the, the blessings of the sea and of the land. 